Welcome to the Bold Speed Podcast. I'm Anthony Freeman. In this edition of the podcast, we're going to analyze Paul's example of Hagar and Sarah in Galatians chapter 4, building on our discussion from the last podcast when we read through their account in Genesis. And is a young man's smirk in front of a loud Native American man worthy of all the attention it's receiving? Maybe, maybe not. All that headed your way as we give them the bold speak. Hello again, everyone. Great to have you with me as we continue our study of No Other Gospel, a study of the book of Galatians. Uh, I must admit that I'm, I'm pretty excited to get into this study with you, as today we're going to build on the last study that we did in Genesis 16. Now, by way of reminder, we, we took a look at the details of the account of Hagar and Sarah. We spent some time dissecting the plan of Abraham and Sarah as they attempted to to force the covenant of God by giving Hagar, Sarah's servant girl, to Abraham as a wife in order to have him conceive a child. And from there, things went very south. Sarah got upset, Hagar got proud, and their lives kind of fell apart. Uh, now Paul's going to use that whole narrative as a means by which to show us what happens when we rely on our plans over God's promises. So this is a pretty significant section of, of Paul's argument, and I'm really excited to get into it with you. Uh, now, before we get into the study too far, I want to remind you that uh, you can pick up the study guide for this series on our website, www.theboldspeak.com. Uh, just click on the menu at the top. Uh, there's a, a button there for the shop. Uh, when you click on that, you can find this study as well as our, our video series studies, and all those are there for purchase. Now, these study guides provide some additional information as well as the, the questions and references so that you can follow along relatively easily at home or in the office or wherever it's convenient for you. There are also spaces there for you to write down answers so you don't forget from week to week what we're, what we're covering and what we've discussed, which is something that's very important since all of Paul's ideas connect to each other as, as he makes one solid case for the truth of the gospel. All right, so uh, let's get into the word here. We're going to be uh, looking at Galatians chapter 4, verses 21 to 31. Uh, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open that up to Galatians 4. And if you have that study guide, we are on page 29. Now, if you don't have a Bible near you or don't currently have access to a Bible because you're away from home or don't yet own a Bible or you're trying to avoid hitting other cars or that tree or that tree or that tree. Don't worry, uh, I'll be reading to you from the scripture sections uh, from the English Standard Version of the Bible, as always. All right, so uh, let's go ahead and jump in. We're going to get into Galatians chapter 4, uh, again, English Standard Version, and I'll read that to you here. Galatians 4, 21 to 31. Tell me, you who desire to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one by a slave woman, and one by a free woman. But the son of the slave was born according to the flesh, while the son of the free woman was born through promise. Now this may be interpreted allegorically. These women are two covenants. One is from Mount Sinai, bearing children for slavery. She is Hagar. Now, Hagar is Mount Sinai in Arabia. She corresponds to the present Jerusalem for she is in slavery with her children. 
but the Jerusalem above is free, and she is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, O barren one who does not bear. Break forth and cry aloud, you who are not in labor. For the children of the desolate one will be more than those of the one who has a husband. Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. But what does the scripture say? Cast out the slave woman and her son, for the son of the slave woman shall not inherit with the son of the free woman. So, brothers, we are not children of the slave, but of the free woman. Question 9. What is Paul asking in verses 21 through 22? All right, so here Paul is using uh, some of his kind of infamous sarcasm. Uh, Paul is, as we've said before, very angry and frustrated with the situation in Galatia and that these Judaizers have been able to come in and kind of mess up the gospel with their message of, of circumcision, that there's something you have to do. And so because they rely so much on the law, Paul's going to kind of lash out at them, if you will, uh, by kind of saying this, if to put it plainly, it would be like this. If you're so enamored with the law that you want to continue to live under it, even though I've, I've given you the freedom of the gospel, then I, you must know it pretty well, right? I mean, you must be so familiar with the Old Testament. Well, if that's true, why does it appear that you've never even read it? Because throughout the Old Testament, God has numerous examples where he shows that, that life as his people happens as a result of faith and, and not by works of the law. And so if you're so enamored with the law and you claim Abraham as your father and point to the right of circumcision, let's just review the life of Abraham in association with Hagar and Sarah. What happened there? And, I, and through this example... I'm going to give you proof from the life of Abraham that it has always been about God's promises and trust in God's promises. All right, so again, a little bit of sarcasm there uh, as, as Paul gets into it. Let's get into the next question. 10. What important distinction does Paul make between the two sons? Well, Paul's pointing out here is that Ishmael, the son of Hagar, was born out of the flesh. In other words, his conception was the result of earthly rules and desires according to the law regarding who would receive the inheritance as sons. But Isaac, see, Isaac was born according to the promise. He was born in conjunction with what God promised he would do, even when all the reason and logic in the world said that the birth of Isaac was impossible. And what was the result of all this? Well, one son was born according to the law, and one son was born according to the gospel. One son was born under the law and would be a slave to the law. The other son was born according to the promises of God and would be sustained and built up by those very promises. But sons are true sons of Abraham. Right? Both of them are the result of kind of Abraham's life but they're living in two very different worlds. 
and that would remain throughout their lives. Ishmael would go on and he would be uh, successful, if you will, by worldly standards. But as God told Hagar, this son would be plagued with war and conflict and specifically would be in conflict with the descendants of Isaac. Isaac, however, would be blessed by that promise and continue to live out his life by that blessing, having Jacob and from Jacob, the, the 12 tribes of Israel, and so on and so forth, all of that coming as a result of God's promises. And so the distinction here that Paul is making is, here's what it looks like to be a slave under the law, and here's what it looks like to experience the freedom under the gospel. In Abraham's life, his descendants are proof of this. All right, so let's move on, uh, get a little deeper by question 11. What point is Paul making in verses 28 through 29? All right, so let's kind of review here 28 and 29. It says, Now you, brothers, like Isaac, are children of promise. But just as at that time he who was born according to the flesh persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit, so also it is now. Paul wants the Christians in Galatia to know that they are children of freedom. That is, children after the likeness of Isaac. And see, we too have been made free in Christ. We no longer have to worry about the, the condemnation of the law or doing the right things to be a part of the inheritance of God. Rather, we're free in Christ to live without the burden of self-reliance. But just as God's free people were burdened by unbelievers and legalists in Abraham's day, so too are the Galatians burdened by those who would seek to have them remain under the law. Right, now, think about this. What does it mean to be burdened by the law? How and what are the ways that we are burdened by the law today? And that's question 12, and that's where I want to kind of spend a little bit of time. How does the world today continue to burden us with slavery under the law? Many times today, people see religion as just a, a list of rules and laws. And so when they think of Christianity, all they think of is, uh, here's just a, a group of people who are telling me, here's what I should be doing, and here's what I shouldn't be doing. And they talk about this Jesus guy who, who saves, but really the emphasis is there. And you have to stop and ask yourself, where did they get that idea? Where did that come from? Why is that all people see of our religion and our faith. And here, I think we have to have a little bit of self-reflection to understand that in many ways, we've sort of done that to ourselves. Look, most religions have an expression of that religion emphasizing the law. Uh, Judaism, Islam, uh, both religions heavily weighted upon the law. When you look at other religions, they've attempted to get away from the law by having no law and allowing the freedom of everything. Which means that both religious expressions are rooted in how it is that we understand the law and the working of the world. But Christianity is different. It's unique. It's unique in that Christianity's emphasis is the salvation of a loving God who came not to give us a set of rules or speak to us about how we should live, but God who came in his son, Jesus Christ, to die on our behalf and free us from the burden of the law through the gospel. 
and, and that's significant. What that does is it shifts the focus of religious expression toward love and away from a list of rules and legality. But in many places, in so many places, I feel like the Christian church has lost focus on the gospel and has overemphasized the law. We are known more for those things that we rail against. It, it seems like Christianity only rears its head in the public sphere when we're upset or angry about something. But when it comes to talking to people about the freedom they have in the gospel, the, the freedom that Paul is working so hard to explain to us here in Galatians, we're somewhat silent. And I think the natural question is, is why is that? Why is it that we as Christians are, are more known, or our religion is more known for the law than the gospel? And that gets us to question 13. Why do you think that is? Now, now answers will kind of vary here depending on who you talk to. I think there's a lot of different views and opinions out there, and a lot, a lot of different experiences that would tell people why the, the law is so heavily emphasized in, in many parts of Christianity today and in many other religions today. But for me, I think there's one principle that, that stands out. For me, the, the simplest and, and likely most pure answer is control. Oh, while the freedom of the gospel may sound like a great thing, it is far more difficult to live out. Because the, the law is measurable, it's, it's goal-oriented, it's straightforward and controllable. The gospel is just a promise. That's it. Well, we can't necessarily measure it. We, we can't manipulate it or achieve it. It's solely up to the desire of God since he's the one that made the promise. And for some people that are, that are so used to kind of measurable goals and outcomes that, that we can control, that kind of open promise can be uncomfortable or, or even undesirable. But just because it doesn't mesh well with the majority of our experience in a law-filled world doesn't mean that it's any less true and any less ours. See, what the Galatians are struggling with and what Paul is fighting for is that faith would override that law-centered experience and confess the freedom of the gospel even when the slavery to the law seems more natural to our everyday life. And this is why the, the realities of the gospel and how the gospel is lived out is spoken about quite a bit in Scripture. Uh, for example, 1 Corinthians 13, right, another letter of Paul's, verses 1 to 3, Paul explains this. He says, If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I'm a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. And if I have prophetic powers and, and understand all the mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have all faith so as to remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. And if I give away all that I have, and if I deliver up my body to be burned, but have not love, I gain nothing. What Paul's trying to express here is that you can have all the right ideas and beliefs and, and you can know your theology very well and you, and you can have uh, just a great ability for, for uh, speaking eloquently and have all these great things. But if you don't have love, if you don't have love, you have to honestly stop and think, well, what, what do you actually have? 
If we as the Christian church go out there and we have the law of God, which is great and wonderful and amazing and powerful, and we love and, and delight in the law, as Paul says in Romans, right? If we delight in the law and have all this great stuff, but we're not using it to show people love, what do we have? Who are we? See, the whole goal of the Christian faith is to live out and express that love in the lives of others. Consider James 2, right? James 2 is the, the big kind of faith uh, is, is dead, right, without works chapter. And he talks a lot about this. But listen to what he says in uh, when he's talking about the expression of love. Okay, this is James chapter 2, verses 14 to 17. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says that he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. Now James isn't telling us that works are a necessary part of salvation. That's not what he's saying at all. What he's saying is, is that you can't claim to have faith and speak those words of love, right? And say, you know, go in peace, be warmed and filled and, and do nothing. Because here's the key point that, that Paul wants you to recognize, that James wants you to recognize, that Jesus wants you to recognize. Love is an action, not a word. If, if I were to say to you, I love you, but never once showed you that I loved you by my actions, would you believe me? And so if we're called to live out the love and the gospel of Jesus Christ, we are called to act lovingly toward those who need love, toward our neighbor. And as Jesus explains so very clearly, our neighbor is everyone, even those who have wronged us, those we think are disgusting, those we seem to want nothing to do with, those we distance ourselves from, those who aren't in our class, those who are, are in positions of authority, that every single person in this world needs love. Every single person in this world is someone that Christ died for. And so God is calling us to live out that love. And when we do that, we live in the freedom of the gospel. Because Paul, this is what Paul recognizes. In all this conversation about the nature of the gospel and God's love and setting us free, Paul realizes, but we have to understand what that freedom means. Because he didn't just set us free from the law so that we could just walk around happy that, hey, you know what? I'm saved, and so I'm in a good place, and, and that's all there is to it. But that freedom is meant to be lived in love and service to others. And that is what Paul is going to get to in Galatians 5. All right, so next week as we jump into the next lesson, we're going to take a look at Galatians 5 and, and how Paul understands the nature of this freedom that we have now in the gospel. So I look forward to you joining me next time as we get into Galatians 5. Now... As we've been discussing living out the gospel and what it means to live under the law, a recent event has made this distinction abundantly clear. See, living under the law is the easy way 
It allows us to make snap judgments and assessments and move on without getting to know people or really concerning ourselves with helping people move forward in the grace and mercy of our loving God. And when we devote ourselves to the law, we end up hurting people more than we end up helping them. And in my opinion, this is exactly what has been going on in a recent video that has been making its rounds in the mainstream media and social media alike. And that's what we are talking about on this week's edition of The Wire. By now, I'm sure many of you have seen the video circulating news outlets and social media showing a young Catholic high school student smirking while a Native American protester loudly plays a drum and sings in the student's face. Likely you've seen it because it's getting posted and reposted by any number of people, all expressing their take on the incident. Some cry racism as the young man's smirk is seen as an act of aggression toward the Native American vet. Some see it as liberal spin, pointing out that the Native American man walked up to the young man and, in what is also seen as an act of aggression, played a loud drum in his face. So, what's my take? I have no take. Because I wasn't there. Well, wait, what? Some might say. But what about this thing and that thing and the other thing? Well, for what it's worth, I have two problems with this whole scenario and people having a, quote, take. First, in a shocking twist to absolutely no one, we didn't have the full facts when the story broke, and we still don't have all the facts because we weren't there. But you might say, well, the young man said this, or the Native American said this. Well, yes, all right? there are two conflicting accounts of how it all actually went down. And in both scenarios, I'm sure both the young man and the old man feel justified in how they perceived things to go down. Will we ever truly know? Likely not. Because again, and this may be a revelation, we weren't there. In video only tells us what the camera saw, which is extremely limited. The camera can't see into thoughts, motivations, regret, fear, sadness, or anything else you couldn't know if you weren't there. Which gets me to my second problem with this. If you start any statement about this scenario by saying, well, this is just another example of, please stop. You don't know the whole story, and using it to prop up an agenda as if you have all the facts is poor journalism. And unless you are a journalist who has done your research and is simply providing concrete evidence for objective facts, you can't say this is an example of anything but this. It's an example of how media bites grab people's attention because we all want to be quick to point out that there are problems. Yes, alright, there are problems in this country, but that doesn't give me or anyone else the right to make a judgment upon either the white high school boy or the Native American man. And I'm not sure who was in the right if anyone was in the right, but God does. And I'll leave those kind of judgments of the heart to him. All I can do, all I should do, is state that it is sad that we still have issues of hatred in this country and around the world. 
I'll pray for all of them that they find peace and learn something from whatever occurred. In the meantime, I'm going to do my best to love my neighbor and build up my community. And if the day ever comes where I am faced with a scenario where hatred is being spewed from any source and I am actually there, I will seek to stop it by speaking the truth in love. In the meantime, why don't we turn off the camera and start being a part of the solution? That is all for this episode of the Bold Speak Podcast. I want to thank you so much for joining me. Please make sure you follow us on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, all at forward slash The Bold Speak. Also follow us on our website, www.theboldspeak.com. Also make sure that you subscribe to this channel and to all of our channels to get the latest information, news, updates, and episodes to stay on top of everything we're doing here at Bold Speak. Until next time, everyone, I'm Anthony Creedon, and that is The Bold Speak.